Well, hey, welcome to First Church. So glad you guys are here. If you're new, my name's Chad. Welcome. And in addition to everybody we have here on site, we have a bunch of people joining us online as well. And so if you would, if you are here in person, would you put your hands together, get loud. Welcome in our online family. Let them know we're glad they're worshiping with us here today. And I am super excited because today we are launching a new teaching series called Base Camp. And I've been looking forward to this series for some time and hopefully you have been as well. And in case you're unfamiliar with this term, Base Camp, Base Camp is a central gathering site, a checkpoint where basic food supplies and other essentials are kept for a journey. Now, this may surprise some of you guys, but I have no desire whatsoever to climb a mountain. I've never had that desire, I've never wanted to, and so tackling like Everest, that just doesn't appeal to me at all. Now to some of you guys, that is awesome, you would love to attempt it someday, not me. The closest I've ever come to climbing a mountain is this past summer at Youthquake, I ascended a mountain and it was in a car. So that's the closest that I've ever come to actually climbing a mountain, all right? I have no desire to do it, but I have done some research on it. And I have been told that especially like if you wanna climb Everest, you don't just go straight to the top. You don't just go straight to the summit. That on both sides of Everest, there are these things called base camps where you stop to rest and get some necessary supplies and resources so that you can keep going on your journey. And so we decided to call this series Base Camp because we believe that we're on a journey, a journey together. And this is a journey called life that we can do either on our own or with God. And when we do this journey with God, when we do this journey with God, God gives us this promise. He says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. In other words, God wants to go with us on this journey called life. He wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. He wants to protect us. But we need to be listening to him. If we wanna go where he wants us to go, if we wanna end up where he wants us to end up, if we wanna keep growing, spiritually speaking, as individuals and also as a church, it's important that we have him as our guide, that we are going on this journey with him. And I think this is an important topic for us to talk about right now, because I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but we've been exp experiencing some phenomenal, incredible growth here at First Church. And I don't have to share with you stats to prove that. I mean, we can just feel it. I mean, we see it every single Sunday, the growth that is taking place here, and it's awesome. But just to share with you one stat to illustrate the point that I'm making, in 2018, which was my first full year here as your lead minister, we averaged in our attendance 1,000 2006 people, that was our average, every single weekend for worship. Last year in 2022, you know what our average attendance was for worship? 1,881 people. I mean, that, yeah, you can give God the praise for that. That's awesome. That's exciting. That's an 81% increase over the past five years or so. And we do give God the credit and the glory for that. In fact, one verse that we've been using a lot as a staff here recently is this one from Psalm 66, verse five. Look at what God has done. These things amaze us. That's how we feel right now. This growth that we're experiencing, it isn't because of us. We know it's because God's hand is on us and he is allowing for us to grow in this way. And we stand amazed every single day by what he continues 
continues to do in this place. But even though we're experiencing this growth and it's amazing and it's awesome and we give God the credit and the glory for it, God wants for us to do something with it. He's not finished with us just yet. And with great opportunity comes great responsibility. And so that's why a year or so ago, we launched into this initiative called Unstoppable because we want to continue to expand our ministry impact here at First Church. And one way to do that is by making room for all of the next gen students and kids that we're having. And so we are getting ready to uh, break ground on our new First Kids facility right after Easter. And we're excited about that. And we just wanna thank you for your continued support and generosity as you invest in the next generation here at First Church. As we introduce the next generation to Jesus. But it's not just that we need to be preparing physically for the growth that we've been having and for the continued momentum that we're experiencing. We also need to be preparing ourselves spiritually because Jesus also teaches us this. He says, the person who hears and does not put my words into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the river burst against that house, it collapsed immediately and was utterly destroyed. In other words, you can build something and you can have a lot of growth, but if you're not building on a secure, solid foundation, eventually everything is going to come crashing down. And that's true about our spiritual lives. It's also true about our family life here as a church. Let me illustrate it like this. You guys have probably played this game before, Jenga or Jenga, depending on how you say it. People say it different ways. But if you've ever played this game, you know that if you wanna make life difficult for your opponent or opponents, what blocks do you wanna go after? It's a risk, but you wanna go after the bottom blocks, right? Because you know if you weaken the foundation, it's going to be trouble for the next player. And so here at First Church, we've experienced all this growth and it's awesome. And we believe that God wants to do more in our midst. We want to continue to experience growth and he wants you to be individually growing as well, spiritually speaking. But if our foundation isn't what it should be, we may last for a little while, but over time, if our foundation continues to get weaker and weaker, eventually we'll come crashing down. And so that's why we think this series, Base Camp, is so important because we want to talk about some essential truths that God wants us to know so that we can keep growing spiritually, but also so we can go where he wants us to go. And so in this series, we're gonna be talking about these fundamental, foundational issues that we think are so important for our spiritual development that we believe God wants us to hang on to and build the rest of our faith on. And so the first topic that we're gonna talk about in this series is probably the one where we need to start at, and that is, who is God? And is there a more important subject than that, honestly? And to illustrate this, I wanna play a little game with you guys. How many of you guys have ever played the game Heads Up? Anybody ever played that game before? Let me see hands. Yeah, several of you. It's basically like charades. You know, you put like a phone up to your head and there's a word that pops up. You have a partner and the partner has to try to give you clues so that you can guess whatever word is on your head without you seeing it. And in case you haven't seen this game played before, I thought we would demonstrate it together. So we've asked for a couple of helpers to come up on the stage. So if you would welcome Mallory and Allie to the stage. They're gonna help us, so give it up for them. All right. 
And they seem real excited to come up here and join me, but don't worry, there are prizes involved. So you wanna do this. Anytime we ask you to be part of something on stage, you wanna do it. So if we have one person stand on one side and the other stand on the other side, perfect. Who wants to be the uh, clue giver and who wants to be the guesser? The guesser, okay, so you're gonna give the clues, is that good? Okay, so what I want you to do is come right up here. We're gonna put the clues or the word that they're trying, that she's trying to guess on the screen. You're gonna read it off the screen. Everybody else should be able to see it as well. Don't look at the screen, okay, don't cheat. And we're gonna give you 30 seconds and we're gonna see how many you can get in 30 seconds. And I've got mics here for you so we can hear every word that you say. There you go, if you wanna take that mic. There you go, oh, you're welcome. And there you go, okay, so here we go. You guys ready? 30 seconds, maybe I'll fudge it a little bit if we need it. So here we go. Are we ready and go. Okay, this is the city that we're in right now. <laughs> oh, Owasso. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Mi Mickey Mouse, this is like the theme park. Uh, uh, Not Earth. Walt Disney World. Try again. Walt Disney World? Yeah, that's it, that's okay. good, that counts. Oh, this is a, oh, it's a series of movies based, they're very scientific, uh, stars. Oh, I can't say stars. Uh, That's all right. Next one. Next one. Go on. That's all right. Next one. Okay. The Lord's um, food. The Lord's food. Bread. Close on Sunday. Bread. Oh, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is a superhero. He's all in black, has a mask. He's also like a- Black Panther. Uh, close, but different black. animal. Oh, Black Widow. No, it can be black. <laughs> um, Spider-Man. All right. Batman. Hey, let's do one more. Let's do one more. Okay, let's see if more. she can get this one. Are you ready? Oh, you're not gonna know this. Okay, this is Chad's um, college team. They're blue. Oh, oh, you were talking about this the other day? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I talk about this every day, really, but. <laughs> oh my goodness. Bing? Where I'm from? Kentucky, University of Kentucky. All right, that's all right. Uh, we'll, it's cool. Hey, you guys were good sports. Let's give it up for them. You all get these awesome First Church tumblers for helping me out. Yeah, appreciate it so much. Thank you. You guys are awesome. All right, they're good sports for sure. All right, now the reason why we played that little game is because I think it's funny to see what first pops into somebody's mind when they hear a word or they see a word. And so if I were playing this game with you right now, you know, you and me, here we go, we're playing and this name, this word were to pop up, how would you describe God? What would first pop into your mind? What image would you first picture? I'm not looking for a theological discourse. I'm not looking for a term paper, but just what would be the first thing that popped into your mind? How would you describe God? In other words, what comes to mind when you think about God? A.W. Tozer once wrote these words. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I think that's so true. What first comes to mind when you think about God? I think this is an extremely important subject because I talk to people occasionally who don't want anything to do with God. And they'll say, I don't believe in God or I couldn't believe in a God that would do this or do that, or they'll say, I don't want anything to do with your God, or I struggle with God. You ever had anybody say things like that to you? And anytime somebody says that to me, if they will let me engage with them in conversation, I will respond by saying, well, tell me about this God that you struggle with. Tell me about this God that you don't believe in. 
And they will go through and give me all the reasons why they either don't believe in this God or struggle with this God or don't want anything to do with God. And then after they finish, and I let them say everything that they wanna say, I typically respond by saying, well, I don't believe in that God either. I don't follow that God either. I wouldn't want anything to do with that God either. That's not the God I serve. Let me introduce you to the God I wish you knew. And then I will introduce them to who God really is. And sometimes they listen and sometimes they don't. But what I've been made aware of time and time again is that there are a lot of false and wrong ideas about God floating around in our world today. And I think it's important that we don't trip over an inaccurate picture of God because it's easy to do. And sometimes our first reaction when we try to picture God or we try to think about God is not who God really is. I mean, some people, when they think about God, what first comes to their mind is a harsh judge. You know, somebody who is heavy with a gavel, someone who's ready to cast judgment on you, ready to pounce, ready to hold you accountable. Almost as if God is like angry at you and frustrated with you and ready to come down hard on you. And if your picture of God is that of a harsh judge, then you're probably never gonna get to really know him, at least not in a close, intimate way. Because we have a tendency not to wanna be around those that we're scared of. And so you will relate to this God out of fear. And so you might still obey him, you may still come to church and you may still pray and you may still read your Bible, but you're gonna do so out of obligation. You're gonna do so out of fear rather than out of love. Other people relate to God in this way, like that of an absentee landlord. You know, they believe that God created everything a long, long time ago, but after he created everything, he kind of like went off to a galaxy far, far away. That Star Wars reference, you know? And he just kind of left us on our own. And yeah, maybe occasionally he's done some things throughout biblical history, but now, right now, he's not doing very much. It's kind of an absentee landlord. He's off doing his own thing on vacation, maybe asleep, I don't know, but he's not here, not with me. And if this is how you see God, then you're also not gonna wanna have a close relationship with him because you don't really think that God cares that much about you. And honestly, the only time that you're ever gonna cry out to him or call out to him is when you're in an emergency situation and you hope that you scream and pray loud enough to wake God up to pay attention to you. Other people see God as a whistle-happy referee, kind of like a, in a certain AFC championship game last Sunday. Oh, I'm kidding. That was a joke. Come on, guys. Come on. That was a joke. Stick with me here. Okay. The one thing, now you can give me this. The one thing that both sides can always agree on is that both sides during any game, they don't like the officiating, do we? We don't like the referee. There's always something to complain about when it comes to the referee. Why is that? It's because we see the referee as a joy kill, right? Like they're the fun police. When things are going well, they will call a call and it's not good for us. And so sometimes people picture God like this. It's like the fun police. who always wants to rob us of having a good time. It was a killjoy basically. And so if this is how you picture God, you're not gonna trust him with your life. You're not gonna trust him with things like sex or money or power because you're gonna think you can have a better time without him. You just see him as the fun police. Other people see God 
as a performance-focused coach who's all about your performance and whether or not he works in your life or likes you or favors you or blesses you all depends on your performance. And if you're performing well, then God's happy with you. But if you're not, then he's upset with you. And if that's how you see God, then you're gonna be trying to constantly earn his approval and you're never gonna feel like that you're good enough. Then other people see God as a genie in a bottle ready to grant us wishes. And so if we just ask at the right time or use the right magic words, then God will give us what we want. And that's why God primarily, primarily exists to give us what we want. And then when we ask God of something and he doesn't give us what we want, we either get mad at him or we think, what am I doing wrong? What magic words do I need to say to get what I want from you, God? Because that's why you're here. And then there are others that when they hear the name God, they think of nothing because they don't wanna think about him. They don't want anything to do with him. They wanna block him from their minds. So they don't think about anything at all. There are a lot of false, wrong, inaccurate, distorted views of God floating around in our culture today. And if this is how you picture God in any of those ways, this is not how he wants to be known and this is not who he is. Do you know what the primary description is that Jesus uses in the New Testament to describe God? What the primary picture is that Jesus wants us to have of God, it's the word Father. Almost 200 times, Jesus will refer to God as our Father, as our good, loving, caring, perfect, heavenly Father. Almost 200 times, Jesus will use this description of God far more than any other description or title. And what's interesting to me is as Jesus uses this term over and over and over again for us to picture God, this would have been earth shattering and radical to his first century listeners. See, one of those occasions when Jesus refers to God as father, comes in Matthew chapter six, when Jesus is teaching his first followers, his disciples, how to pray. And he says, this then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And let's just stop right there. We've probably heard that so often that we miss today just how radical those first two words, our father would have been. Because this is the first time in the Bible that we are told to pray to God as our father on a personal level. See, there are a few occasions in the Old Testament when God is referred to as a father, but it's more in a generic or general sense, like the father of the Israelite nation or the father of all creation. But God isn't referred to as a personal father, as our father, your father and my Father. See, when you open up the Bible, you know probably that the Bible is divided into two parts, the Old and the New Testament. And the Old Testament is a lot bigger than the New Testament when it comes to content, right? Do you know what the primary description is of God in the Old Testament? 
It's the name Yahweh. Yahweh means the God who is, the God who exists, the great I am, the God who is in all and through all. And that is God's proper name. And it's a true description of him. He's the God who is, the real God. But when we get to the New Testament, the primary description of God isn't Yahweh, it's Father. Not just in the teachings of Jesus, but throughout the New Testament letters as well. Father is the primary description we get of God. Why the change? It's because of Jesus. Because Jesus came to reconcile us to God, to restore us to God so that we could have the relationship with him that God originally intended us to have, but we forfeited because of sin. And so when Jesus came on the scene, he came to bring us back to God and know him as we were meant to know him as our father in heaven. And we read passages like this in the New Testament. If you wanna go on to the next slide there, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. See that term Abba, it's an Aramaic term. And it's the term that a little child would use for his or her dad. You would never have used Abba in a sense of the father of a nation or the father of creation in a formal sense. Abba was only used by a little child for his or her dad. And that's the word that we see in scripture. Jesus will also use this word to describe God. We're to know him on this personal level so that God isn't just the God of all creation or the God of the Israelite nation. God isn't just the father or a father. God is your father and my father on a personal level. He is our Abba father. Like a little kid cries out to his or her dad. We're able to have that type of relationship with him. You know, in this life, I am known by a lot of different names and titles. Honestly, when you think about it, most people call me Chad, which is my name, but some people call me Mr. Broadus when they don't know me very well. And that makes me feel really, really old when people do that. But sometimes people call me that. I teach uh, as an adjunct professor for Johnson University. And so when I teach a college class, my students will sometimes refer to me as Dr. Broadus or as Professor Broadus, which sounds silly to me, but that's what they call me. You know, there are some people that call me coach, like I coach my little kid's soccer team. They'll call me coach or Coach Chad. Other people identify me by my position, my role in the church. They'll call me preacher or something like that. Allison has her own names for me, which I'm not gonna share right now because that's TMI. You guys don't need to know those names, okay? <laughs> But there are only two people on the face of the planet who call me dad. And it's a title that is reserved for them. And when they call me dad or daddy, it means more to me than coach or Dr. Broadus or Mr. Broadus or even my own name, Chad. 
because there's a special relationship there that I have with those two human beings that I don't have with anybody else. And that's the intimacy, that's the relationship that God wants to have with you, that you're able to call out to him and know him like a child knows his or her dad. And that's important because how you see God will determine how you relate to God and how you relate to God will determine how you see life. And for that matter, how you live life. And that's why we need reminders like what 1 John says, when the scripture tells us how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. If anybody tells you otherwise, don't believe them. That is who you are. And if your primary picture of God today is anything else but a loving, caring, perfect father, then let me introduce you to the God I wish you knew. Because if your picture is anything else but that, then you're missing out on who God really is. Now I get it. This idea of God being our loving father is difficult for some of us. Some of us grew up in a church environment where you just didn't talk about that type of intimacy with God. That was uncomfortable and even considered disrespectful. You didn't talk about God on a personal level like that. And that's where Jesus' first century listeners were. But here's the thing, you can still have a healthy father-child relationship with God and have respect for him. I hope my kids respect me. They don't always, but I hope that my kids respect me, but they still have a special relationship with me that no one else has. But then some people struggle to picture God as a father because they don't have a great relationship with their earthly father. And I get that. I understand that if that's where you are, I'm sorry. Because maybe you grew up with a dad who was distant or who tried to buy your love or who was more performance-based than anything. Maybe he was harsh with you. Maybe God forbid he was even abusive with you. If that's the type of dad that you grew up with, I am so sorry, because that's not, it's not what God wanted for your family life. But I think that's why it's even more important that we understand who God is as our father, because knowing him as our perfect, loving, heavenly father will allow for us to experience the fulfillment and love and affirmation that we are longing for in life. Now, I think there's a reason why fatherhood is under attack in our culture today. I think there's a reason why there are so many people who have a strained relationship with their dad. I think there's a reason why dads are often the punchline of jokes and sitcoms and why there are so many absentee fathers and why there are so many dads who are abandoning their families and all that kind of stuff. I think there's a reason why fatherhood is under attack in our world today. It's because Satan knows that the primary image we are supposed to have of God is that of father. So if he can distort that image and damage that image, then maybe he can create a barrier or a wall between us and God. And so 
Let me just say two things. And the first is this. This is from a dad to other dads. Dads, we're not perfect. So if you're not perfect and you mess up, you're not alone. None of us are perfect. Don't beat yourself up. But we're called to point our children to our perfect father. That's why we're here. We're not perfect. We're going to mess up. But we are called to point our children to our perfect heavenly father. That is our primary responsibility as dads. But then also, let me say this. God shows us what a good father really looks like. So if you have a strained relationship with your dad, I ask you to imagine what it would be like for you to have a healthy relationship with your dad. And when you do, that's who God wants to be for you. In fact, Jesus says this. And it's interesting to me that when Jesus teaches us to pray, he doesn't start off by saying, okay, this is how you pray. Let me give you the five components of a healthy prayer. He doesn't say that. And I've, he doesn't say, I've even got an acronym with those five points. So you won't forget them. That's not what he says. He doesn't say, okay, here are the magic words that you need in order to say a healthy prayer. Here are the right religious words to say. He doesn't say, okay, it's thee before thine, except after thou. You know, he doesn't go through and just give us all this religious jargon to pray so that our prayers will be heard. No, instead, when he teaches us to pray, he starts off by telling us who we're talking to because he knows your relationship with someone will determine how you talk to them. And it starts with knowing God as your father. And what's interesting is as Jesus goes on and he gives us then what we typically call the Lord's prayer or the model prayer, you've heard it before, you know, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have sinned against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. You know, you've heard that before, right? We quote it like at funerals and stuff like that, right? I mean, you've heard it before. But it's more than just a model prayer. It's also, it, it also reveals what it means to have God as our Father. Because look at how Jesus breaks down the person that we're talking to. The first thing that we find out is this. You have a Father who's always present. Because right after Jesus teaches us to pray to God as our Father, he says this. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, God is not a God who wants to spend all of his time in a galaxy far, far away. God doesn't want to live at a distance from us. God is the God who wants to bring heaven to earth. God is the God who wants to do life with you. God is the God who wants to be present in your life every single day. And that's why here at First Church, we often teach that we are here to be a people who bring the joy of heaven to the sadness of earth. Because when we have God living in us, we fulfill his purpose by showing the world who he is. The reason why we have a relationship with God is not because we pursued him first, but because he pursued us. That's why John reminds us with this truth. We love, we love him because he first loved us. He sought us out because God didn't want to do life without us. That's how valuable you are to him. And so I want you to know today that God sees you. He's paying attention to you. My kids all the time will be like, hey, daddy, watch, or hey, daddy, look. And sometimes I do, and sometimes I'm distracted. 
I think all of us as parents have been distracted before and not paid attention to our kids like we probably should, right? Our God never gets distracted. He always sees you and he is interested in everything that you do. But you see, we also have a father who wants what's best for us. That's why Jesus then goes on to say that we should pray this, give us today our daily bread. God cares about our daily needs. God wants to provide for us and that's why it's okay for us to ask him to provide for our daily needs. Now, God knows what we need, but he doesn't always give us what we want because sometimes what we want is not good for us. He's our heavenly father and he knows more about life than we do. He knows more about us than we do, honestly. And so do I love my kids? Absolutely. But if I let my kids, they would eat ice cream and cookies and cake before bed every single night. That's what they want. But I'm not gonna let them because a good loving father wouldn't let them do that because it's not gonna end well, is it? But if my kids are hungry for a meal, you bet I'm gonna provide for them because I know what they need and I'm always gonna give them what they need but I'm not always gonna give them what they want because what they want is always good for them. And that's why Jesus says, your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Not everything you want, but everything you need. My daughter, Addie, she's had an infection on one of her toes for a few weeks now, maybe even as long as a month. And we've taken her to the doctor and they've given her some antibiotic medicine to take so that she can fight off this infection. It's kind of gross. I won't get into the details. It doesn't matter. But uh, she hates this medicine. She takes it orally and she hates it. She says it tastes bad and there's a lot of it she's got to take every single day. And so there are times where I literally have to like hug her from behind and Allison will force her to take this medicine because she doesn't wanna take it and she will scream and she will holler. And if you've walked into my front door and heard a kid yelling, it's not because you know we're abusing her or anything. It's because she needs her medicine and she doesn't wanna take it and she will scream and cry and call us mean and say that we're rude and all sorts of stuff. But why are we doing that? Because we wanna be mean and rude? No because we want to hurt her? No. It's because we want what's best for her. We want her to get well. And sometimes God will take things away from his life and not give us what we want, or he will not answer our prayers in the way that we think he should. And we will look at God and get mad at him and say, what's up, God? And maybe what God is doing is giving us what we need because what we want, what we're asking for is not good for us. See, we also have a father who loves us. We have a father who loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. See, we don't deserve that. We pray that line sometimes, God forgive us. And we don't even think about the fact that we don't deserve that. We don't deserve God's forgiveness. We don't deserve it and we couldn't earn it. And yet God through Jesus has provided a way for us to find that forgiveness in him. We don't deserve it yet he gives it to us freely. Why? Because he loves us. See, God is crazy about you. He is crazy about you so much so that he was willing to send his son to die on a cross. If that's not love, I don't know what is. 
God isn't out to get you. God isn't out to trick you. He isn't out to trap you. He wants what is best for you because he genuinely and sincerely loves you. And so he can always be trusted. And we're gonna try to find affirmation somewhere in this life. And if you try to find your affirmation approval in other sources besides God, that affirmation is always short-lived and it's often toxic. It's also very hard to get to. But God's affirmation lasts forever and it's something that isn't earned. It's something that we don't achieve, but it's something we receive from him. And then the last thing that I wanna to mention today is this, your father wants to give you a better story. Look at what Jesus says here in this model prayer. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In other words, it's not just that God forgives us. He does that. But he also wants to lead us down a better path. He wants to show us the way where temptation doesn't hold us captive anymore. He wants to show us the way where the devil doesn't get the best of us anymore. He wants to take us away from the destructive path that we've been on and live a new life in him. God has a better story for you. God has a better ending for you. He wants to maximize your life so that you can live life to the fullest. He wants you to live with purpose. He wants you to live with meaning. So yes, God loves you where you are right now, but he loves you too much for you to stay there. He has a greater purpose and plan for you. So you can trust him when he leads you away from the path of destruction to the path, to the path of real life. It's interesting to me that so many people in our culture today live for no good purpose. <laughs> they live without any purpose, any real meaning. They're just wandering, just searching aimlessly. And it makes total sense to me to live without purpose if we're just sophisticated pawn scum. If we're just a bunch of matter that evolved by accident. If that's what we are, it makes perfect sense to live without any purpose. But I don't believe that about you and I don't believe that about me either. Because I believe we were created in the image of God by a father who loves us, by a father who sent his son to die for us. We were created by a father who has a greater plan and purpose for us, a father who is crazy about us, who wants to spend eternity with us, a father who is preparing a future home for us. We have a father who loves us. And because he created us in his image, he continues to take great delight in us. The Lord your God is in your midst. He takes great delight in you. He renews you by his love. He shouts for joy over you. Yes, you. Several years ago, I got to meet a guy who was getting ready to retire from a nonprofit company 
that helped out a whole lot of people. And he was a great guy. I loved getting to meet him and know him. But I was having dinner with him one night and some other people and he was telling us about his story. And he said he grew up in a very dysfunctional family. He grew up in a household where his dad was a raging alcoholic, struggled with alcoholism for years. His dad was abusive. His dad was not around when he should have been. And there were times that this guy who was talking to me said that when he was a boy that he was really mad at his dad to the point he thought he hated his dad. But his mom made sure that he was always in church. So this little, as a little boy, he went to church, to vacation Bible school, Sunday school, all that stuff. And he learned about his father in heaven who loved him. And he told me, he said, the reason why I didn't go wild or rebel or become a drunk myself, he said, was because I knew I had a father who loved me. And he said, my dad noticed that in me at times. And I kept inviting him to come to church and he didn't want anything to do with church, but eventually he did come. And over time, God started to work on this guy's dad's life. And one Sunday, no one knew it was gonna happen, but his dad came forward and asked the church to pray for him because he was an alcoholic. And he found God, Jesus became his savior, and God transformed his life. And this guy who was telling me this, his dad is now dead and been dead for years, but he said, I know where my dad is. I know my dad's in heaven, but more than that, I saw how God changed my dad's life. My dad wasn't perfect from that time on, but all of a sudden there wasn't as much yelling in our home anymore. I never wondered if my dad really loved me anymore. We had more food on our table than we ever had before. We had better furniture in our home than we ever had before. Everything changed over time. The more my dad understood the love of his heavenly father. And this man is, was in tears telling me all this. And he looked at me and he said, every time somebody looks at me and says, I just can't believe in God, or I don't want anything to do with God, or I struggle with God. I will look at them and I will say, let me tell you about the God who changed my dad's life because anybody would want to know that God. And that's the God that we serve. So today, I don't know what image pops into your mind when you think about God, but I know how he wants you to see him. He wants you to see him as your father who loves you and is always there for you. So if you don't know him like that, let me invite you to get to know the God that I wish you knew. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for loving us, for adopting us as your children, for allowing us to call you Abba, Father. We are so privileged to have this relationship with you that we don't deserve. And Father, if there's anybody today listening to this message who doesn't know you on that personal, intimate level, I pray that they seek you today. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.